You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast pace. They can go no huddle. They can go two tight ends. They can go play action. They can take shots down the field. They can run the ball with Cam. I love the options here. Opinionated. Mac Jones was a safe pick, but his ceiling is just Kirk Cousins. To the point. The Red Sox are better than I expected. I still don't think they're winning the division. The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Friday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball, a go as of now. So we go up until 6-10. So Sox pregame show against the Phillies, 6-10. First pitch, 7-10. Garrett Richards is on the mound. We'll go up until 6-10. And if anything changes, we will keep you posted. But as of now, Red Sox baseball is on for this Friday. Final series of the first half of the season. Sox enter this weekend, two and a half up on the race. If you want to get in, you can, as always, on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, the locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Phone number 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. Let's get to it. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farnica show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. With locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber, they're always found online at sticksandstuff.com. My question is, what do you think, in private, Mac Jones says about Cam Newton? That's the question. I'll tell you how we got there in a second. But I want you to think about that. You're sitting in your car. You're listening to this on your Amazon Echo or on your online stream. Privately, what do you think Mac Jones says about Cam Newton? The reason why I ask is this. I heard Trey Lance, who was drafted by the 49ers this year, I heard him talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. And so now I'm wondering, what does Mac Jones say about Cam? What does the rookie say about the incumbent? Here is what Trey Lance had to say about Jimmy G. He's a great guy. I mean, one of the best people I've been around. I've been fortunate to be around some, I think, really, really great people. Uh, and, and, you know, guys that are going to play today and guys that are still in that locker room right now, um, Jimmy's just like it, and that organization is, is the same exact way. Uh, so I just feel, like I said, very blessed and fortunate to to be where I am and, and be able to be a part of something like this. I've heard from other guys' experiences um, and, and how we handle OTAs and everything like that. Um, our coaching staff and everyone that runs an organization is, uh, you know, does it as really, at, at a really high level. First off, phenomenal maturity there from Trey Lance. He just sounds like an NFL quarterback should sound. Poised, in control, talking about the team, praising others, deferring or deflecting away from himself. And he's saying the right things about the incumbent starter, Jimmy Garoppolo. But now, again, from a Patriot standpoint, what do we think Mac Jones would say about Cam Newton? I know what Mac Jones would say publicly, okay? Just he'd say exactly 
what Trey Lance just said about Jimmy Garoppolo. He would say, Mac Jones will play the part of an NFL quarterback incredibly well. He's well-versed in handling the media. He handled things well at Alabama. We know Mac Jones would sound just like that when talking publicly about Cam Newton. What would Mac Jones say in private? I think Mac Jones likes Cam Newton. I think that they get along. Okay, And I think that Mac genuinely appreciates Cam. I think he appreciates the way that Cam can connect with his teammates. I think he appreciates Cam's work ethic, which we know is second to none. And I think he, like all young players, appreciates Cam Newton's resume. Cam Newton's resume of having been an NFL MVP, having been a starter for a decade, having made a ton of money, having been to a Super Bowl. Cam Newton's resume is something that you cannot ignore. I think Mac Jones appreciates all of those things. But I also think privately, Mac Jones would tell people, there's not a whole lot physically that he can take away from Cam Newton and Cam Newton's game. He would wax poetic in private about all the Cam intangibles in the same way that I do and the rest of the media does. But I think he would say privately that physically, there's not a lot that he can take away from Cam Newton at this point. I really believe if you gave Mac Jones a choice of who to spend time with in the Patriots quarterback room, he'd go to both Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham before he goes to Cam Newton. And it's there's nothing at all against Cam. But Hoyer's got a full command of the offense having played in it forever. So from the studying standpoint, Hoyer is the best resource in that room. And style of play, Mac Jones much closer resembles Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer than he does Cam Newton. So while I think that Mac will take away a lot of things from the Cam Newton relationship, I don't think that anything physically that Cam does will really translate to what Mac Jones does and will do. If there's one thing... If there's one thing above all else that Mac Jones will take from Cam Newton, it's going to be the leadership stuff. Okay, 802-585-3026. What do you think Mac Jones says about Cam, and what do you think he'll most likely take away from his relationship with Cam? For me, there's no question that Mac Jones will take away the leadership stuff and the way that Cam Newton connects with teammates. Mac Jones is a very, very, you can tell, cookie-cutter, by-the-book guy. I think he will absolutely say the right things, and I think he will absolutely lead by example, and I think he absolutely won't do anything to put himself or the team in the media or fans' crosshairs. I think Mac Jones will be kind of the perfect vanilla leader and do everything right. I think that Cam Newton will show Mac Jones that you can lead in more than one way and that you can have some fun doing it. I think Mac Jones has seen, you know, the Nick Saban style of leadership and, you know, that's what he's been exposed to. And he'll see the Bill Belichick style of leadership, which is the exact same. And I think he will have seen the Tom Brady style of leadership and how that has worked. And I think Mac Jones will ultimately fall in line with those guys because that's what he has seen work, and that is who he has been around. But I do think that Mac Jones will walk out of this 2021 season 
with a great respect for the way that Cam Newton leads because he will see that there is another way to lead and another way to get guys to buy in. Cam Newton, if nothing else, gets his teammates to believe in him and he connects with them and develops relationships with them in a very different way than other quarterbacks do. So if there's one thing that Mac takes away from his relationship with Cam, it'll be a different leadership style and it will be the idea and the notion that different styles work for different guys and different styles resonate with different players on the team. And I think that will be valuable for Mac Jones moving forward. If he will learn from Cam Newton that you can reach guys in a different way. And I hope ultimately, as Mac Jones moves through his Patriots career, he utilizes some of that knowledge that Cam gives him. Because physically, Hoyer and Stidham is where he will go and where he should go. They play like him. Pocket passers, you know, get the ball out quick, not super dynamic. That's who Mac Jones is. Physically, he resonates with those guys. But leadership-wise, I think he can absolutely take something from Cam Newton. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Continuing on, I saw this question. Outside of Mac Jones, outside of Mac Jones, which rookie on the Patriots are you most excited for this season? Mac Jones is the obvious answer. Outside of Mac Jones, which Patriots rookie are you the most excited for? For me, I really tried to find something, you know, unique. I, I was like, oh, can I go with a sixth-round pick and tell everyone that that's the guy? No. For me, it's a guy they picked very, very high in this draft, and that's Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins, the defensive end, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma, is the guy as we move towards training camp in the next two and a half to three weeks, that is the guy I'm most excited to see outside of Mac Jones as a rookie. Remember, the draft was done end of April, early May. Tyler McComas, the sports radio host in Oklahoma who covers the Sooners, he came on our show on May 3rd and said this about Ronnie Perkins. He can get after the quarterback. It's what he does. Um, It's what he was put on this earth to do is to get after the quarterback. The size he has, the speed, the intensity – He was fantastic last year when he was able to play, of course. You guys all know about that marijuana suspension that he had a year ago. When he was out there on the field, he was was dominant, man. I love hearing most of that. I don't like being reminded about marijuana-induced suspensions, but I love he was born to get after the quarterback, and when he was on the field, he was dominant. I love hearing that. I want the Patriots this year to be dynamic as a team, and with that ability to be dynamic comes... You know, some requisite athleticism. Perkins is long. He can move. He's powerful. He can get upfield. I'm looking forward this year to seeing a revamped defensive line. The Patriots made a commitment in the offseason to get some run stuffers in free agency. They got some real run stuffers. They also drafted one in Christian Barmore out of Alabama. So I think the run defense will be much, much improved this year. But I'm also looking forward to seeing how this team disrupts opposing quarterbacks because they just have to be better at that than last year. Last year, Patriots 2020, near the bottom of the league in sack percentage, near the bottom of the league in sacks per game. It was far too easy at times last year for teams to just move the ball through the air, actually up and down the field entirely on the Patriots. 
I don't ever expect going into a season, I just don't expect Patriots rookies to crush it. I know there's a steep learning curve. But Ronnie Perkins is somebody that has an opportunity to be a difference maker. I am excited for him. Mac Jones, clearly the number one rookie I'm excited about. Outside of him, though, look, Christian Barmore, his pedigree, his power, stop the run, that's exciting. Ramondre Stevenson, powerful bowling ball style running back, think he could do some things, you know, if he plays, doesn't take that red shirt year that a lot of Pats rookie running backs do. I think he presents some nice options for the offense, but Ronnie Perkins is the guy. Pats have shored up the run-stopping nature of their defensive front. If they're able to figure things out with Stephon Gilmore, the secondary is still pretty good. They needed to get better at linebacker. Dante Hightower addresses that. And they needed to get better at getting after the quarterback. And that's where Ronnie Perkins steps in. And that's why I'm most excited for him. Uh, Text line open, 802-585-3026. Unnamed texter says, Brady, I know you were saying yesterday about not having two quarterback starters, but it seems like a Cam Newton-Mac Jones you know, tandem could work if both are on the same page. And that's the part of the problem. They'll never get on the same page. They like each other. They respect each other. Cam is handling this much better than I would have thought. But ultimately, they each want to be a starter, and ultimately, it's a competition between the two. They don't want to split time. They will never get on the same page. They won't get on the same page with each other. They won't get on the same page. You know, their teammates won't be on the same page, and they won't get on the same page with the coaching staff. Cam Newton has one year. This is a one-year deal. His ultimate goal is to play as many games as possible, play as well as possible, and then make as much money as possible. That's what Cam Newton's looking for. That's the page that he wants to be on. Play every minute. Take every snap, lead my team to the playoffs, and get paid. That's what he's looking to do. And anything that deviates from that will not be something that he's real excited about. Mac Jones, conversely, he's looking to, hey, once I get on the field, I want to stay on the field. That's what rookies do. They, they usually wait their turn because it's the, quote, right thing to do. They wait their turn on the sideline and they hold the clipboard for a while, but once they get their shot, they do not want to give it up. And once Mac Jones has tasted it, he's not going to want to give it up either. Well, philosophically, I could say, yeah, that could work. Human emotion-wise, it will never work. It has never worked before, and it will not work with the 2021 Patriots. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Major League Baseball draft comes up this weekend. The Red Sox have the number four pick. I know exactly who they should take. If this guy's available, it's a no-brainer. That's next right here on WDEV. Hi, this is Evan Hallstrom. I race super late models with the Pro All-Star Series. You can follow me throughout the summer racing up and down the East Coast. I've always loved auto racing. Not only do I drive the car, but I build it with my dad. We're a small family-run team that has a lot of fun. I'm proud of the work that I do with the Governor's Highway Safety Program and the Vermont Highway Safety Alliance. Remember, click it or ticket. Follow me on my Facebook page at Evan Hallstrom Racing and Twitter at EvanHMS1 or my website at EvanHolstromRacing.com. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVRadio.com. Yeah, yeah. 
Welcome back in. Brady Parker Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball coming up today at 6-10. As of now, game is still on despite some bad weather earlier in the day in Boston from Hurricane Elsa. Sox and Phillies in game one there. A couple other texts coming in on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line. I'll answer those here in a bit, but I want to start here. If Jack Leiter out of Vanderbilt is available at the number four pick in the draft, when the Red Sox pick, the Red Sox need to take him. Okay, do not overthink this. I know a lot of people don't really care about the MLB draft because it doesn't have the same cachet as the NFL or the NBA. You should care about this draft. You should care about the development of the farm system. And if the Red Sox have the number four pick, or, or rather, the Red Sox have the number four pick, and if Jack Leiter is available, they need to take him. So if you're trying, if you're like just getting into the draft, don't even bother doing research. That's the answer. Jack Leiter, Vanderbilt pitcher, that's the guy. And there's really four reasons. And intern Jack and I were talking about this yesterday, off air. There's really four reasons why Jack Leiter is the pick for the for the Sox. One, I simply love his stuff. I love the stuff of Jack Leiter. Two, I love his experience and his pedigree. Three, I love that he'll be a quick mover through the Red Sox system and he'll get to Boston quick. And four, intern Jack and I again were talking, and I kind of agree with what Jack was saying. Jack Leiter being selected takes some pressure off the front office. Okay, Four reasons why Jack Leiter is the, is the guy. Number one, he's got good stuff. Simply put, here's what the MLB.com draft profile says about Jack Leiter. He usually works between 90 and 95 miles an hour and tops out at 97. It plays like an elite pitch, that fastball, because of its riding life and outstanding metrics. He also has a good curveball in the upper 70s. He can throw for strikes or get hitters to chase, and he's got a good feel for a slider that some evaluators think has more upside than his curveball. He's got great stuff. We saw it when we watched the College World Series. We read about it there, and we hear about it now. MLB.com draft expert Jonathan Mayo. You know, on the positive side, you know, Mize's overall package of stuff is probably a little bit better. Um, but lighter stuff is plenty good. You know, this isn't a guy throwing 90 miles an hour. You know, if anyone who watched the College World Series, he was still throwing 96 with his four-seamer up in the zone. And he gets a lot of swings and misses on his fastball. People don't see it. It moves. It's got high spin. Uh, you know, and he's got a good breaking ball and a very good changeup. Uh, you know, so... Uh, I would just say that you know, my size stuff and track record were just a little bit better, um, but they're not a whole lot separating the two of them. The Lee, he was talking about Casey Mize of the Tigers, who was the number one pick in the draft a couple of years ago out of Auburn. So he said, coming out, Mize may be slightly better, but you heard him talk up Jack Leiter. Bottom line, Jack Leiter has swing and miss stuff. The league, Major League Baseball right now, is about stuff. It's less about finesse it's less about control it's about stuff and jack Leiter has it okay it's about getting guys to swing and miss baseball is trying to do things to get the ball put in play more that's what i want i want the ball put in play more but as it becomes easier for guys to hit you're gonna want the 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 rarity of pitchers who can get guys to swing and miss consistently and that's what jack Leiter is as baseball makes it easier for guys to hit the guys who can put it past people are going to become a little bit more rare. Jack Leiter will be one of those rare guys. The Red Sox need to get him. 
Number two, the other reason, one of the other four reasons I love Jack Leiter for the Sox, the experience and the pedigree. He is the son of a former World Series champion in Al Leiter. Okay? He's the son of a big leaguer. Anytime you have the son of a big leaguer, I'm interested. Jack Leiter has been around the game. He's been around the clubhouse. He understands the business of the game a little bit earlier than than the rest of his peers, and he just knows how to carry himself. Jack Leiter has been in the spotlight as the son of Al Leiter for a long time and has learned how to deal with the pressure of that, has learned how to deal with the expectation of that, and has learned how to carry himself and has still succeeded and excelled. Okay, Ken Griffey Jr., son of a big leaguer. Barry Bonds, son of a big leaguer. Aaron and Brett Boone, son of a big leaguer. Vlad Jr., son of a big leaguer. Bo Bichette, son of a big leaguer. Okay, A lot of good baseball-playing sons are out there. So if you have a chance to get one, as the Red Sox, I hope, do with Jack Leiter, then I'm going to trust that they've got a pretty good idea as to what they're doing. Furthermore, the experience of Jack Leiter. He just helped. He just helped lead Vanderbilt to the College World Series final. He played in the SEC, one of the best conferences in the country, and then he just played on the biggest stage in the sport and dominated. In fact, he dominated all season. Jack Leiter barely pitched in 2020 because of the pandemic shutting the season down. He came back in 2021 and just crushed it, okay? He tied for the Division I lead in strikeouts with 179. 110 innings, he had 179 strikeouts. That's like a strikeout and a half per inning. He dominated this year, and he did it on the biggest stage. He threw a no-hitter inside the SEC. He had a no-hitter through seven innings in his next SEC start. He pitched in the best conference. He dominated some of the best teams in the country. He pitched well in the College World Series, and he knows how to handle himself as the son of a big leaguer. So far, great stuff, great experience, great pedigree. They're all reasons I'm all in on Jack Leiter at the number four pick in the draft. Reason number three, he will not be in the minors for very long, and I love that. Part of the reason people don't care enough about the Major League Draft is because they have this notion that He'll get picked and we'll see him in five years. That's not the case with Jack Leiter. He will be here and he will be here quickly. This will be a guy who will be a quick mover through the system. And I think that's important. In fact, experts say that Jack Leiter is so advanced, he could contribute to a big league bullpen today. That's what Kylie McDaniel of ESPN told us yesterday. He is good enough to keep his head above water if you throw him straight in the big league bullpen. It wouldn't make any sense to do that, and we don't think any team would actually do that because his stuff doesn't play quite like Eric Rochez did, another guy that went straight to the big league bullpen. Also, Chris Sale did it. Um, those guys are like dynamic, sitting around 100, 70-grade off-speed pitch, funky, left-handed. Um, all those things are there to make it play up more in the bullpen than it would as a starter, whereas lighter stuff kind of plays best over the five, six innings at a time. So I think he'd be perfectly fine doing that, but I would look at uh, Casey Mize and some of the recent uh, top of the draft picks, like Max Meyer went third overall last year with Miami out of Minnesota, uh, and he's now in double A with a chance to go to the big leagues this year if he continues progressing. Bottom line is this. 
the front of that quote is what mattered. He is good enough to keep his head above water if you throw him straight in the big league bullpen. It wouldn't make any sense to Okay. He's good enough to keep his head above water today in the major leagues. And if that is the case, then he'll be in the major leagues for good pretty quickly. That's important. He's already pitched in high-level college baseball. He doesn't need low A or short season ball. He's at worst probably a full A season pitcher. And once you get to A ball, you're only a step away from double A. And what's double A? One step away from the majors, they say. If he's good enough to be in the bullpen today, then I have to assume that I could see him starting for me in my rotation by like 2023. And that's an important time frame and a big time frame because the Red Sox are going to come to a lot of rotation issues by 2023. Martin Perez, he's up heading into 2023. Garrett Richards, he's up heading into 2023. Nathan Avaldi, his contract up heading into 2023. Chris Sale will be closer to up heading into 2023. If Jack Leiter can be in the rotation at the outset or near the outset of 2023, he can help ease the sting of losing some of these guys, which potentially leads us into point number four, why I'll select Jack Leiter if I'm the Red Sox. He relieves the pressure on the front office. He relieves pressure on the front office. We're talking about in Ivaldi, Perez, and Richards, three-fifths of my starting rotation that might be gone. Heading into 2023, three-fifths of my rotation might be gone. We're also looking at Eduardo Rodriguez, who might be gone after this year. So this team that has a chance to win a division could be out four-fifths of its division-winning starting rotation by the start of 2023. There can be significant turnover in that Sox rotation in my near future, and you're going to need some answers. Tanner Houck is one of them. Him being in the fold alleviates some pressure, and having Jack Leiter as an in-house answer would also alleviate pressure as well. Alleviates the pressure to spend big in free agency, alleviates the pressure to overspend on your own guys to keep them or to overextend guys, having an in-house answer just makes life easier. Jack Leiter is that in-house answer. If the Red Sox have a chance to take Jack Leiter number four overall, it to me is the safest pick and it to me is the best pick. Hyam Bloom spoke the other day about what he wants to do with this pick. We never want to pick in this spot again. Um, that said, it's an opportunity that, given that we have it, we want to make the most of it. If you want to make the most of that number four pick in the draft, Jack Leiter is the answer. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Uh, unnamed texter, real quick, on the Patriots. Wouldn't Cam Newton still get his payday if Mac Jones leads the team to the playoffs? Basically, Cam being associated with a playoff team would make him look good. The answer is no. Um, if you have three, if you have two kids and you tell the two kids, hey, I'll give whoever mows the lawn 20 bucks, and one kid mows all of the lawn, he's getting the 20 bucks. The other kid's not getting 20 bucks too. He didn't do anything. So just being just proximity to success and accomplishment doesn't give you the ability to go and get money. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com, CBS News. And then when we come back, we'll get into the uh, Nikhil Harry drama. We now know what teams might pay for the Patriots 
disgruntled wide receiver. And if this is all we're getting, I'd say I'd rather just bring Nikhil Harry to training camp and see what he can do for me. That's next right here on Vermont's news station, WDEV AM and FM. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Back in Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball comes up about seven minutes from now. Sox and Phillies. Sox with a two and a half game lead in the AL East heading into the final series before the All Star break. We'll get you those lineups here in a couple of minutes, but we get to a couple more things here on this Friday. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN says that Patriots wide receiver Nikhil Harry could be worth a conditional sixth round pick on the trade de- on the trade market. That's just not enough for me. That is just not enough for me. I would rather bring Nikhil Harry to camp and see if he can make my team. He is worth more to the Patriots, in my mind, than a conditional sixth-round pick, than a true wild card. The Pats spent a first-round pick on Harry. He's got three years left of team control. He's only 23 years old. There's enough upside there and enough that's still contractually beneficial to me that I'm more interested in keeping him around than simply just getting rid of him to just to get rid of him. Okay? A conditional sixth round pick. That is a complete lottery ticket. And I'd rather, like, if I want a lottery ticket, I'll take the lottery ticket that Harry turns it around rather than a conditional sixth round pick. And it's not even a guarantee that you can trade. Nikhil Harry, if you want to. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk had that. I mean, the problem is this. If you trade for him, you got to take on his contract. And even though he wasn't a high first-round pick, you know, he, he's got a salary obligation if you take on that deal that may be more than a guy you could pick up on the street. So I think that's really the challenge, getting someone to take on his, his pay over the next two years. Is another team really going to, you know, give up a pick and take on that money? I don't know. Like, wouldn't an acquiring team just be better off letting Harry go to the Patriots training camp and hoping he gets cut and then scooping him up there without having to get rid of a pick? Like, if I'm a team who wants to kill Harry, do I want to pay him, you know, his his first-round contract dollar? Probably not. I'll be like, you know what, look, if he's going to get cut in New England potentially, I'll scoop him up there off the waiver wire. So if that's how other teams are operating, I think I'd just rather, if I'm the Pats, Bring Nikhil Harry to camp, see if he can make my team and contribute. The only thing that makes me interested in trading Nikhil Harry is if he goes the nuclear option. If Nikhil Harry is going to be a headache, then I may have no choice but to trade him. It's more beneficial for me to have Nikhil Harry on my roster than a conditional sixth round pick in my pocket. But if Nikhil Harry's going to go nuclear and cause problems and force my hand, then I might have to. I don't want to, but I really don't want a headache. And if Nikhil Harry is going to be a headache, then I'll have to cut bait then. But probably only then. Nikhil Harry's trainer was a headache last year, talking bad about Cam Newton. His agent has been a headache now this week with these trade demands. If you then think that Nikhil Harry will be a headache then you got to cut bait somehow. Maybe it's cut him. Maybe it's trade him. It'd be a disappointing end to this saga as far as I'm concerned. But really, him being a, 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 a headache is the only reason 
I'd be interested in moving him. Conditional sixth round picks don't do a whole lot for me. Especially if you trade him, a conditional sixth round pick puts the conditions that Harry will be good in that new place. If it if he isn't good or doesn't hit the conditions, then you probably end up with a seventh round pick. And I'm not interested at that point, I'm really not interested. Nikhil Harry making my team and playing a role is still the best outcome here for the Patriots. If that outcome can't be achieved because Harry's going to, you know, submarine everything, well, then then we have to move on. But beyond that, I'm more interested in keeping him around. Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox, two and a half games up in the American League East. Rays are in second, Blue Jays in third, Yankees in fourth, Orioles in fifth. We'll get you those lineups here now. Red Sox and Phillies getting ready for game one of three, the last series before the All-Star break to be played at Fenway Park. Pitching matchups in this one. Vince Velasquez is on the mound for the visiting Phillies. He's 3-3 three three with a 4-5-0 ERA. Garrett Richards is on the mound for the homestanding Sox. 4-5 with a 4-8-8. The team records in this one. The Phillies in second place in the NL East at 42-43. Again, the Sox, they're up in first in the uh, AL East at 54-34, and 34, but they have lost two of their last three. For the Phillies, they bring in a lineup full of people you've heard of. Gene Segura leads off. He's at second base, hitting 321. Highest paid catcher in all the land, JT Real Muto. He's hitting second, 261, with eight homers and 31 RBIs. Bryce Harper, $300 million man. He's the DH. He hits third at 281 with 15 homers. Andrew McCutcheon's also got 15 homers. The former NL MVP is hitting 233. He bats cleanup. Brad Miller's in right field. He had three home runs yesterday. He's hitting 260 with nine homers on the year. Powerful first baseman Reese Hoskins hits sixth. He's got 20 homers this year to lead the club. Also a team high, 53 RBIs. The former Yankee, Sir Didi Gregorius, is at shortstop, batting seventh. Alec Bohm, the youngsters, at third. And Travis Jankowski is in center field. Limited action, but hitting 323. For the Sox, Kike Hernandez is in center. Alex Verdugo's in left. J.D. Martinez, the DH, he's at 299, just under 300 now. Xander Bogarts is at short, hitting fourth. Rafael Devers plays third and bats fifth. Hunter Renfro's in the sixth hole in right field. Christian Arroyo bats seventh and plays second. Christian Vasquez bats eighth and is the catcher. And Bobby Dahlbeck hitting 217 with 10 homers and 35 ribbies is the first baseman, and he bats ninth. The full show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swat and Lumber. Intern Colin is here. We appreciate him. I'm Brady. I'll see you Monday. Red Sox Baseball next.